thing about ghost storytelling is that in one aspect, it's there to, you know, to scare the hell out of you. Uh, and in another aspect, there's, there's always a moral lesson as to why you don't do this or why you don't say that. And it's, it's sort of a reminder for us as living people, not only to be connected to our spirituality, but to, to be respectful and to conduct ourselves in our daily lives in a certain way so that everything works. Uh, and it sounds cliche, but everything works, you know, in, in harmony, in perfect unison. This is Meredith For Real, The Curious Introvert, and I'm Meredith. I explore the questions people think but don't ask out loud, either because they're taboo or thanks to cultural hypnosis. My mission, and yours if you choose to accept it, is to inspire curiosity by exploring the nuance and paradox of our world. Each episode is different, so bring your ADD and your earbuds and have a look around. Hey, Curiositors, it's me, Meredith. Happy Halloween! This episode is such a great spooky episode because in true Meredith for Real fashion, it shares some history and culture along with some creepy ghost stories. The first half of the episode, my guest shares some backstory and cultural history of mediumship within the Hawaiian culture. And then in the second half, we get into some island ghost stories that will really make you see Hawaii in a whole new light. If you end up loving this episode, you'll also like the one I did with a local spooky historian about where I live in Pensacola, Florida. That one is episode 51. And if you are a repeat listener, a fellow curiositor, thank you so much for your loyal listenership. Thank you for every time you've pressed play, for every time you've shared an episode with a friend, for every time you met someone different than you and you led with curiosity. If that is you, it would also mean so much to me if you would leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the Good Pods app. Those reviews act as social proof that help me get great guests on the show. And finally, if you're new here, welcome. Around here, we press play to get curious, to disrupt the algorithm, and to grow into better humans. We talk with everyone from sex workers to psychic soldiers. So bring your ADD and your earbuds and have a look around. There's no specific order to listen to episodes. All right. Enjoy the show. Salem, Massachusetts, Savannah, Georgia, Norlands, Louisiana, all places known for paranormal activity. But what about Hawaii? The popular vacation spot has a lesser known reputation for the spooky and an even lesser known history and culture. My next guest is a native Hawaiian who was adopted by a non-Hawaiian family and raised Catholic. When he was seven, he died during a medical procedure, and his near-death experience left him with some unusual gifts and an open door to connecting back to his culture. He now celebrates over 25 years of owning and operating Hawaii's only locally owned ghost tour company, Mysteries of Hawaii. And today, he's going to talk about all of it, the cultural, the historical, and the paranormal, as we ask the question, is Hawaii haunted? Actor, author, connector of the living and the dead, Lopaka Kapanui. Thanks for being here. Thanks for making time for this. Oh, aloha. Good morning. Yeah. I mean, anything that's fun, I have time for. Oh, well, I appreciate that very much. <laughs> I was, um, you know, cyber stalking you as one does. I mean that in the most loving and non-psychopathic way possible, of course. Uh, but I was learning all about your near-death experience and how afterwards your mom when you said to her, Mom, 
I'm, you know, having all of these, I'm seeing dead people essentially. And, and I'm, you know, seeing and hearing things that I didn't see and hear before. And her response seemed a little nonchalant. She was like, yeah, we're Hawaiian. That's what happens. Can you, (laughs) can you explain that? What does that mean? Um, my mom herself uh, was also very steeped in a certain spiritual practice that was passed down in our family. And a lot of that involved communicating with uh, particular kinds of spirits, especially uh, broken spirits, people who died without resolving issues. And so when I said that to her, she's like, yeah, you know, it's because we're Hawaiian and here's why this is going on and you're not going to go to hell. You're not evil or anything. And the the explanation was just so practical, so common sense and applicable that even at that age, I'm like, really? <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, because this was your birth mom, not your adopted parents that you were talking to. Yeah. And so the fortunate thing is, you know, I was able to stay in contact with my biological mom after my adopted mom uh, had passed away. And, uh, you know, communication with my biological mother became a lot more frequent. And so, you know, that's how that whole world opened. And in the Hawaiian language, there's no word for supernatural, I understand, because everything is natural, including visits from your ancestors who have passed away. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. You know, and you think about it, it's a very, very Buddhist explanation. Because in uh, certain forms of Buddhism, it's important that in order for your life to function clearly there has to be this oneness with yourself and your surroundings and the thing about uh the hawaiian culture is that within your surroundings are these myriad of gods and beings and lesser beings and so in ancient times the hawaiian people had to depend on their environment for their physical sustenance but also spiritually they have to be at one so everything worked in in harmony and so uh one of my teachers Knowing what I did, he said, you know, there's really no Hawaiian word for supernatural. He said, if you look in the Hawaiian dictionary, it's a westernized explanation for the supernatural. But he said, there's really, really no word in our vocabulary that exists uh, to describe that. And, you know, like you just said, because everything functioned naturally as a part of your environment. I kind of like that. I think uh, it's certainly for your progression in your story, it gave you, you know, an anchor, like a sense of like, oh, it's going to be okay. There's no reason to be overly afraid. I read that in the Hawaiian culture, in the Hawaiian tradition, that there were people who maybe were, had heightened abilities to hear from people who were passed away, like from spirits, and that those people were uh, trained in honing in their gifts and became, you know, what we call mediums. Is that the spiritual Mm -hmm. practice that your mom practiced that you kind of referred to a minute ago? Wow. You've really done your homework. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. I'm, I'm really impressed. Um, yeah, the Hawaiian word for that, um, thing is called haka. And so as you were saying in every generation, one person is picked out, put aside, because they're beginning to ex, uh, express, you know, these gifts, and they're specifically trained in what is called noho, which might be mediumship or channeling. And what happens is that person receives the ancestor who would noho or sit on their shoulders and communicate through them to the family. So that would be a 
a deceased ancestor, an ancient ancestor, or an ancestral god or being. And my aunt was uh, also a, a Hakka in her family. And our primary um, guardian is, is a shark god called Komoho Ali'i, and he's the eldest sacred brother of the goddess Pele. And so he would sit on our aunt's shoulder and communicate to the family through her. And everything I heard about him up until then was like he was just, you know, just terrible character, just fierce. And every time his spirit was in a room, you know, just reek of, uh, you know, that I don't want to say that rotten fish smell, but you know, like sulfur, there. like sulfur smell, sulfur, and yeah. And my aunt said, "No, that's not true. He's actually, you know, uh, purposely like that because he likes to mess with people. But he's very funny and he makes jokes." I remember my aunt saying, and then he had, you know, it's this ancient being, but he had this favorite Hawaiian song that he loved. And she looked at my mom. She goes, sing that song for him. So, you know, we know uh, he knows what we're talking about. And I said, that's kind of hard to believe because this is like a a guardian ancestor. And my aunt said, well, that doesn't mean they, you know, they don't have fun and, you know, they don't like things. My mom's, my mom's thing was also to uh, channel or haka, particular kind of uh, ancestors who had to get through for important messages. And so that's in a nutshell, that's basically the thing that was uh, passed on to, to me. And what's good and bad about that is, you know, people come through who need to get a specific message. So there's closure. And the bad thing is uh, the spirits, if I'm at a ghost storytelling concert and the place is standing room only, which it, it tends to be uh, somebody's, ancestor and ancestors in the audience will hijack the show and not let me continue until I, I say something until I connect them to someone who's in the audience. And that's, that happens a lot. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, I could see where that would be part of the appeal too. I mean, there's a lot of appeal in really pop culture, you know, certainly not when you were growing up as much with mm. outside of your, um, you know, the Hawaiian culture. But I think if, if it weren't popular generally now, why would travel? Ch- I mean, you know, you're on those shows sometimes. The Travel Channel, this Discovery Channel, right? There's, right. there's a, um, I don't know. I was gonna say popification. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> not a word, but you know, there's this. Um, mainstream version of these sacred traditions that that have come about, you know witches on Instagram and, you know, just all this sort of stuff. And Ouija boards have always been a thing. Is there, is there any part of this that, you know, I don't know, people should approach with caution because if you, if you approach it with like, it's entertainment and it's fun and it's, it's all nonsense, then, you know, people run towards it because they love spooky things, right? Halloween. Right. But if you approach it from an ancestral spiritual tradition, I feel like mm, we should probably have some more respect. And then there's like this middle, you know, perspective of, okay, if this stuff is real, shouldn't we be more cautious about what we're letting into our own consciousness. Does any of that make any sense? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And the the good aspect of working with people, like you said, from travel channel, the learning channel, all that stuff is uh, once I explain, you know, what's going on, a lot of them have a tendency to say, wait a minute, 
we're like, wait, hold on. So this is actually a thing. Like it's real. And like, yeah, like, okay. You know, now we got to approach this a bit differently. And so the best way to approach these things is not just with respect, but with some reverence and some common sense. And so here it's always, it's always been a thing, uh, not just, uh, in Hawaiian tradition, but now local tradition to always, always ask permission, you know, spiritually or just in general, because it's, it's common local courtesy. So, you know, even if you're sitting there and uh, the room is crowded and I have to get by you, I'm not just going to barrel my way through. I'm going to say, Hey, Meredith, would be, would it be okay if I, you know, pass through here? You know, I, I see you're having a drink. I don't want to disturb, you know, your time with your friends, you know, stuff like that. Really simple stuff. And in situations where, say, you're at the volcano and, you know, you need to do something, go somewhere and make an offering, uh, it might seem ridiculous, but a lot of us here will, will speak to the goddess Pele and say, you know, uh, you know, Tutu, um, I, I need to go to this place and pick this flower. I know it grows here. It belongs to you. And, um, a lot of times you, you do get an answer, you know, a wind will come out of nowhere, just this fine mist of rain. You know, and all those things are little little signals telling you it, it's okay. You said and if it's not okay. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that when you talk about intention and permission, you said in another interview that those two concepts, intention and permission, are just really key in Hawaiian culture. And even the illustration that you're giving now of you know going up to a place and and asking permission to take a piece of the nature with you. How, how does that play in your tours? Because you're taking a, you know, busload of people to a place that, um, either has historical significance or known paranormal activity. Do you ask, you know, permission of the spirits that are there to, Hey, I'm bringing, I'm bringing all these, Hawaii, you know, non Hawaiian people to tell them the story of you. I hope you th- that's okay. How does that play out? Uh, even before we walk into the place, I offer a, a chant in Hawaiian. And the chant is always specific to that place and those spirits. And again, like you just said, it's basically announcing your intention and what you intend to do while you're there, what you're going to do after you leave. And also asking for the protection of everyone in the group. And, you know, to make sure that, that the journey is safe and it flows well. And everybody leaves, you know, feeling good with with no attachments. And so uh, a lot of times, a lot of people who live here, along with tourists, are just, you know, kind of like blown away. And they always they always tell me, you know, I never thought about that. I never thought about announcing my reasons or my intention about anything, you know. But it's important because it raises the energy and the whole experience is, is at a higher level rather than just walking in and barreling through. Yeah, I, I like the uh, the mindfulness aspect that comes with that. You know, you're really present. You're not just yeah. barreling through. I like the way you word that too. Is there a link between ghost storytelling and you know the preservation of Hawaiian cultural knowledge? Do you feel the thing about ghost storytelling is that in one aspect, it's there to you know. To scare the hell out of you. Uh, and in another aspect, there's there's always a moral lesson as to why you don't do this or why you don't say that. And it's it's sort of a reminder for us as living people, not only to be connected to our spirituality, but to to be respectful. 
and to conduct ourselves in our daily lives in a certain way so that everything works. Uh, and it sounds cliche, but everything works, you know, in, in harmony, in perfect unison. So the moment things are out of whack and things are out of balance is when, you know, spirits start to pop up and do things that you're not too happy about. Hey, Curiositors, just a quick pause to show gratitude to our sponsors and give you some special deals. If you ever wonder where I find guests for the show, the answer is it varies a lot. And since it's something that gets asked a lot, I started including the backstory of each episode in my Monday emails. And then on Saturday, I share cliff notes and clickable links in case what you heard was so good you wish you could have taken notes. If you want to be included, text REAL to 66866 if you're in the U.S. or go to MeredithForReal.com if you're elsewhere. If you've got backyard barbecue plans for 2022, but mosquitoes are not invited, I recommend Insec. I've been using their pest control service for several years now. They have a certified mosquito identification specialist on staff, and pollinator care is always top of mind. If you live in the Florida Panhandle or the Gulf Coast of Alabama, give them a call, ensec.net. If you watch the show on YouTube, then you see the beautiful backdrop of Trader John's, the exhibit where I record the show inside the Pensacola Museum of History. This is just one museum under the umbrella of the UWF Historic Trust. If you're planning a trip to Pensacola and need an indoor activity option, pick up a ticket. It's good for a whole week. Get your tickets in person so you can show the agent one of my emails and get $2 off an adult ticket. Now back to the show. Remember to stay till the end where I give you a sneak peek of next week's episode. And you have a few stories personally of spirits um, popping up, don't you? God, there's so much trouble. <laughs> they really are. <laughs> so many. And I, I so many. love them all. There's so many interesting stories that, I mean, that's how I, I came across you was, is a story rabbit trail. So yeah, I would love to hear, <laughs> um, you know, ones that stand out to you or that you've personally experienced. Okay. Yeah. You know, and a lot of times it's like a, a Seinfeld episode where they just show up and interrupt like, what are you doing? <laughs> they don't know their stage cue, like, and cue the spirit. <laughs> they, they're just yeah. like, oh, there's people gathered. It's my time to shine. Jazz hands. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, we had a ghost storytelling concert in, uh, last, the last week of June at a historic Hawaii theater. And the short story is, uh, by the end of the thing, spirits were lining up off stage, uh, because they just started coming through and, you know, communicating to people in the audience. Uh, there was one woman named Irene Foster who was coming through from the beginning and toward the end, I said, okay, so this is the fourth time. No one's claimed her, but Irene Foster and someone in the audience. And I, it's dark. I can't really see the house, but it's an older man's voice. And he says, Irene J. Foster, I was her caretaker uh, till the end. You know, she, she passed away. And, and I said, yes, it was cancer. And he said, yes, it was. And, and, you know, it took her really quick. And she was a beautiful woman and just so full of life. Uh, I felt it wasn't fair. And so I, I said to this man, I couldn't see it. I said, she's here to tell you that she appreciates you being there. You know, in spite of everything else, you have your responsibilities. You made it a point to be with her all the way to the end. And I said, and that's because she was afraid to die alone. And you were there. 
And the second that happened, everybody else's mom, dad, dog on the stage coming through. Hey, you know, I want to talk to him. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I can't imagine yeah. what that would be like. Like, that's just such a foreign concept to me. Um, tell me, can you share the story of your experience with Pele? Because I love that story specifically because it um, it illustrates like the cultural deepness of the island. And it also teaches a lesson of respect. I, but it's also happened to you. So to me, it's such a fun uh, trifecta of features. So if you don't mind sharing that story. Oh, is that the one with the pizza? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Pele and the pizza. We'll name this chapter of our chat Pele and the pizza. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, it was uh, 2005, and uh, uh, my wife back then and, and my daughter were coming back home from something, and I dropped them off at our little apartment, but I had to park in the main street called Date Street. It's this long stretch of road, uh, and I parked, got out of the car on the, the driver's side and looked up, and there's this old Hawaiian woman, uh, white hair, very dark skin. And it kind of threw me off because she was wearing a, a black turtleneck sweater and a black and white plaid skirt, like, you know, the Catholic uh, schoolgirl kind of thing. And even from where I was standing, like looking through the, the car window, I could see she was wearing these knee high white mod boots. I thought, this is weird. <laughs> like she must be homeless or crazy. And this is all within seconds. And she looks at me and she says, take me to Zippy's. I said, what? She says, take me to Zippy's. And I was going to go to Jack in a Box real quick and, you know, come back home. I said, well, you know, I'm not going that way, but I, I can drop you near it because I'm, you know, I'm going over there. And she says, no, not that Zippy's. I want to go to the one in Wahiawa. And I said, Wahiawa? That's like on the other side of the island. Like, I'm not going that way, but if you want, I'll take you, you know, to the Zippy's down here. And she says, please, I'm hungry. And I glanced down in the backseat of the car, and there's this big chuggy cheese cheese pizza. And I said, well, you know, listen, I have some pizza over here if you want it, some cheese pizza. She says, okay. And I go like this, reach into the car and grab it and pull it out. And I was going to, you know, just pass it over the hood of the car or the roof of the car. And she's gone. And... The way that main road is situated, it's such a long stretch of, of road that there's no way anyone can walk to or from without you seeing them come or go. But she was gone. She was not there. And this is within seconds. And right after that realization, <laughs> but this, this car just like mad speeds right past me. It's going so fast. You know, you get the jet wash kind of shakes things and it blows the intersection and it, and it gets T-boned like just totally green, horrible accident. And I realized within those few seconds, uh, that was supposed to be me. Wow. I was supposed to be in that car in that accident. And so it, it was Pele and this unusual incarnation to sort of distract me and get my attention to face this way and not get in the car which is what that whole negotiation between going to one place and the other was, was all about. Wow. That's crazy. And she was just gone. No trace of her at all. 
nothing, just completely gone. Have you ever uh, but, had a visit or seen um, Queen Lily Uokalani at all? There was uh, a night when you were able to walk the grounds of the palace uh, in the evening until 11 o'clock. But uh, because of the homeless, uh, they've now closed it at 6. So the short story is, I always offer this particular chant uh, while standing at the bottom of the window looking out because their old room is on the second floor. And the fortunate thing is, I saw it, but I thought I was seeing things, so I didn't say anything. But a couple of my friends who were standing behind me also saw it. So we saw the same thing, which is, after hours, no one's in the palace because it's this laser security system. So everything is viewed from downstairs in the basement. And during the chant, we saw the curtain sort of part like this and saw this, this shadow sort of go like this. And then the thing shut. And that little moment for me was like, oh, <laughs> wow, wow. And that even now when I'm talking about it, it's just it's just giving me the chills. And you think it was Queen Lily? Oh, definitely. You it remind me of her. Particular room. Go ahead. You remind me of her. When I was reading about her, she, mm-hmm. you know, was adopted and she was baptized as Christian and she uh, wrote a book, all things that are similar to you. And she had a foot in two worlds. You know, she was very much cared for her people, but then she was trying to negotiate the, you know, what became the, the takeover by the U S of the sovereign kingdom of Hawaii. And she, you know, very much wanted to keep the peace and, and, uh, and, but also preserve this tradition. And the more I read about her, the more she just made me think of you. And that's why I was wondering, asking about her. Oh Yeah. I mean, she's she's definitely there. Um, the great thing about her character, which you know isn't normally discussed publicly, is that her um, sometime during her marriage, her husband John Dominus had a child with a, another Hawaiian woman of lesser rank. And today, of course, in those circumstances, like it's just total madness in Bedlam. Everybody's trying to kill everybody. Uh, you see it on all these reality shows, but. Queen Lili Okalani, rather than take that route, decided to take the woman in along with the child and raise the child as her own. Wow. I did not know that. That's incredible. I, there's so much crazy. It is crazy, (laughs) but it's, it's beautiful too. And there's so much about Hawaiian culture that I never learned. You know, I feel like there's a key, there's a link between cultural strength and historical accuracy. And if you can Mm. alter the account of history, then you can weaken the links of the cultural connection of an entire people and history of Hawaii that I learned it. I didn't understand that Hawaii was a sovereign kingdom and that the U S you know, tried to, or did overthrow it basically and took the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And we're like, now you're a part of the U S like we celebrate. Oh, and then Hawaii became the 50th state, you know, like, Oh gosh, we're skipping over a lot there. Are there parts of Hawaiian history that you wish people would know, like more people would know? Well, um, 
you know, beyond Kamehameha the Great, there was a, a an endless lineage of other chiefs, you know, who did specific things here uh, to preserve, you know, the lifeblood of the kingdom. And even when people come here from the continent, you know, hey, what about that king? And, you know, is that how it all started? And, you know, they're tearing down the, the statues of Confederate, uh, you know, generals and stuff. How come they don't tear down, you know, the king's statue because he killed people too? You know, so there's that whole backstory that I think, you know, people need to know about to understand who we are, how we began, and why even today, you know, we're still very, um, I don't know what the word is, still very staunch, you know, in our uh, cultural history and our cultural spirituality. And so, for instance, you know, if you and I are getting to know each other and uh, we want to welcome you into our circle so that, you know, you get a better understanding of how things work, the first thing we're going to do is feed you. You know, and that's just not a, you coming to our house, sitting down and have a meal, but that's uh, an open social interaction to, you know, have more exchange. But it's also spiritually feeding you with the kinds of foods that are important to us. You know, and that's sort of the thing that bridges the gap. Food here is the great social interactor. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't get fed, then you know you're not you're not in. <laughs> you're not in. That's that is yeah. good to know for sure. <laughs> Well, the, the overthrowing of uh, the Hawaiian government was very much in the interest of, you know, American business ventures, especially pineapple and sugar production. Mm -hmm. And now it's, you know, it's tourism. And so that's what I find so appealing about like how you live, how you live in this world is you really have just such a really beautiful paradox about you that you have a foot with the living, a foot in the dead, a foot in tourism and a foot deeply in this beautiful Hawaiian culture. And I'm just curious, like, do you ever see a world in which there's reparation for, you know, what the U S basically did to the Hawaiian people, how they s stripped their right to vote. And then we're like, Oh, now, you know, it just was like a big, it's a big cluster, really. Yeah. It, it's too much to go into in a 30-minute episode. But um, yeah, there's just so much there. And it's just so interesting that you are kind of in the middle of both of it. Do you see a world where there's reparation and compromise as far as what was done and what is not even really acknowledged in classrooms now? Is there a version of that that you wish were happening? Well, you know, that... It is actually being taught in classrooms now. We have a Hawaiian language immersion schools here from preschool all the way up to college. And so the younger Hawaiians now, you know, have been and are being made aware of, of that part of the history. But they're also being taught that, okay, this happened. It was not good. You know, we were unfairly treated and all this other stuff. But uh, the teachers and the elders say, but don't live here. Mm. You know, don't get stuck in this. We know what's wrong. <clears throat> you know what has to be righted, but don't don't stay here. Don't live in this space. <clears throat> Sorry. It's okay. <clears throat> because uh progress can't happen for our people if we're we're stagnant in this one place. And so, you know, that's the beauty of it. And I think my 
my kuleana, my responsibility, or whatever it is that I'm here for, is like you said, to bridge that gap, to not only um, help people who are not from here understand what's going on in all aspects, but also a lot of local people, you know, are not aware of, of that part of our history. And it sort of sounds strange, but that's why on all these, I call them experiences because they're really not tours. Um, and that's why in one part of these experiences, I stop and I start asking everybody, what do you do? What's your job? Everybody is very nice about, you know, sharing what they do for a living, but yet more often than not, you'll see someone else in a group and go, Hey, you know, I'm an accountant too. I'm a lawyer. What's your practice? You know, and then there's this friendship that's made on this tour. And people keep in touch uh, with each other through that and and through myself. And so that's sort of a, a way that I, I have people unknowingly interact. You know, and that's why it's really not a tour. It's just this whole experience. And that's what I tell people at the beginning. You know, this is not my experience. I'm the guy talking, but this is actually about you, all of you. And the collective energy you have brought to this thing will determine the course of how this thing goes tonight. I haven't been on very many experience tours. I've been on mostly historical ghost tours. Yeah. I can't say that uh, in any of what you're describing is what happened there. Um, as we close, I would love for you to share about the night marchers if you've, you're open to that. And, uh, and Absolutely. then I want people obviously to know how they can engage with uh, your company. Okay. On... Um... The island of Molokai, there was a family that moved from here, Honolulu, to Molokai because uh, the life was just too fast-paced, and they wanted to raise their son in a very, a very not easy lifestyle, but a place that was a lot more open, where people were a lot more kind. And they moved into a house uh, in a place called Ho'olehua on on the island of Molokai, and life was great until they noticed that once a month for four nights. While they were up listening to the radio or just spending time, uh, the son's bedroom door would open and they would see him come out of the, the bedroom and walk down the hallway to the back door leading out to the yard. Except he'd walk like this with his hand over his head and they would go grab him and bring him back to the room. And they noticed that whenever the son came home from school, he would immediately uh, go to the room, his bedroom. And sit in the left corner and face the left corner and just start talking to someone or something that wasn't there. And a lot of times they would ask him, you know, who, who are you talking to, by the way? He said, oh, my friend. Oh, what friend is that? Uh, the Hawaiian man. He likes me. And, you know, I like talking to him. And they thought nothing about it until this thing, four nights every month, walking down the hallway to the back door like this. And so... They were kind of worried that something might have been mentally wrong with their son. And so they moved everything from the right side of the room to the left side. And then with his bed in one spot, they said he started having these nightmares. And from the room, they could hear sounds like people were marching right through or just a bunch of feet. And they could hear the, the son crying out. And so they called a kahuna who came to the house and the kahuna looked at the house and said, Hmm, uh, do you mind if I go around the house? And he said, yes, fine. And he walks around the house and he says, do you mind if I go inside? And he said, Oh yeah, sure. Do you mind if I go into your son's bedroom? They said, no, that's perfectly fine. And he goes into the bedroom, looks around and goes, Hmm, 
Then they go inside and he says, underneath the left corner of your son's room is buried a very old Hawaiian man. This was his land and he's buried here on his land and your house is right there at the left corner over his, his place where his body is. Oh no, is is that the ghost that's harassing our son? No, no, no. Not harassing, protecting. That old man's spirit, that old Hawaiian man, he loves your son. He's been protecting him. But, you know, you you did something wrong. You moved something around a certain way. What do you mean? You know, you're talking about your son coming out of the room four nights every month like this. You you sort of moved something that wasn't supposed to be moved. And now the night marchers are coming right to your house. And they're taking your son. They're grabbing him by the hand, trying to take him out of the house. That old Hawaiian man, his spirit is the one that's been protecting your son. And so now you have to put everything back. Because if you don't, the next time they come through this house, they are going to take him. And you will never see him again. You guys are not Hawaiian. So when night marchers come to a place with no Hawaiians, they always have to take one person. And if you don't do something, you don't listen to me, this time it's going to be your boy. So they did what the Kuhuna said, and everything was fine. And today, the boy is still around, now a man, but everyone says if you ask him about that specific experience during that time of his life, he doesn't remember it. But his parents do. And they tell that story all the time. Wow. And these are people you personally know? Or these are this is a story passed down? This is a, the people who told the story to my boss, Glenn Grant, uh, oh. who I met in his office uh, one time, and he introduced me to them. Oh, so, wow. Very nice people. Wow, that's incredible. I've learned so much in our chat and in preparation for this chat. I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. I know how busy you are. And with the time difference, I'm so grateful that we could connect today. As we close, can you tell people your website, socials, anything that you want to share to allow people to engage more with what you've got going on? Sure. Uh, The social media is Mysteries of Hawaii. Except on Facebook, it's Mysteries of Honolulu. And the website is mysteries-of-hawaii.com. And same thing with the YouTube channel, Mysteries of Hawaii. Perfect. Thank you so much, Lapaka. I appreciate it. Well, thank you. This was a fun experience, and I hope we get to do this again. Me too. Thanks for listening. If you've loved a couple episodes of this show, leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the Good Pods app. And if you liked this episode, you'll also like the one I did with a local spooky historian about where I live in Pensacola, Florida. That's episode 51. Stay tuned next week when I talk with a PhD researcher in Alabama investigating therapeutic use of magic mushrooms. 